Well, hold on. Yeah, the referee. Yeah, is now, now, to stop. yeah, Chilowitz is saying, you know, slow down here. Yep, he's going to look at it. Yep. Here we go. Yep. Penalty. No, no, no penalty. Oh my goodness. That is a shocker. That is an absolute shocker. And welcome back to the Orlando Soccer Show. Ladies and gentlemen, it is another week full of soccer. We are the Orlando Soccer Show. We're going to talk about soccer in Orlando. What a concept. My name is Austin David. Joining me today is Gavin Eubank. We're going to talk about the Orlando Arsenal game. We're going to talk about the Chelsea Arsenal game. We're going to talk about Orlando and Philly. And we're going to talk a little bit about the Pride and their new signing, Haley Bujea. And OCB having a, a wild one against Philly, too. And then we'll kind of preview some of the games coming up. So, strap in, get ready. Here we go. Gavin, first, let us talk about the week that was in Orlando soccer. Let's go all the way back to last Wednesday when Orlando played Arsenal. It was a 3-1 final, 1-1 at half. Orlando didn't look bad in that game. Uh, Arsenal's second team against Orlando's first team. It, it wasn't bad. It was, dare I say, good. I'm going to let you know right now. Probably should have discussed this before recording, but I did not watch that game. <laughs> ah. Did you see the or highlights at least enough at least? to? I did not see enough to, uh, to make very many comments on it. Um, I did see... The highlights, uh, Fagundo Torres' goal, mm. a beauty. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the only you know, person doing that thing. Gavin, he was the only person who scored against Arsenal in preseason in the U.S. tour. That's impressive. Mm-hmm. Not even Chelsea could do that. So right. uh, Fagundo Torres better than Christian Pulisic confirmed. Sure. <laughs> um, hmm. It's a take. It's definitely yep. a take. Uh, I would <laughs> say that Facundo Torres did, showed up and showed out a little bit. Uh, Cesar Araujo also had a very good 45 minutes in the first half, really locked down defensively. The first Arsenal goal was kind of fluky, where it just deflected off of Antonio Carlos's back. So, you know, that that's, that's not great. Um, but then Orlando City in the second half, they made some subs. And Arsenal brought in their big players. And then the last 30 minutes of the game was a bit rough where they really didn't get anything offensively going. And, uh, yeah, Orlando lost 2 nothing in the second half, so it was 3-1 the final. But it kind of continued that trend of the last half hour not being great for Orlando City. Now, that was a friendly, so it doesn't count quite as much, but... You know, for the narrative, it does. Definitely does. So, uh, then we move on to Saturday, where Orlando has a league game against Philly. Now, heading into this game, the thought process was probably don't play all your starters against Arsenal at least for a long period of time. But three of the starters that started against Philly played almost a full 90 against Arsenal. Or, sorry, two. It was just Pedro Galese and Andres Perea. Antonio Carlos played a full 90 against Arsenal but did not start the match against Philly. Everybody else, I mean, there were, there were guys that played 60, 70 minutes against Arsenal and then played again on Saturday and then have to play again on Wednesday coming up. So it definitely is a, a very... Tr- you know, bogged down schedule. And Oscar decided to to continue playing some of his, his players. And honestly, in that Arsenal game, I thought Mikey Holiday was also incredibly good, but he didn't really get a run out in the Philly game. I thought he definitely played his way to, to more minutes, but uh, instead Juan played and, well, Juan did Juan things again, but not the good Juan, the other Juan. So that was rough. But uh, Gavin... I want you to talk to me about that Philly game because I was at the Chelsea Arsenal game. So um, I was in the same boat as you are for the Arsenal Orlando City game. Uh, I did 
kind of pay attention to it as I was at the Chelsea Arsenal game. I had it on in the background, but uh, there's only so much that I can glean from that. So I haven't sat down to watch it yet, and I've been told probably don't because of how things went. Nobody had a goal expected goal over one, so that tells you all you need to know. Yeah, I mean, so it was a lot better than the Atlanta game. That I can say in the fact that Orlando wasn't dominated. As you can see from the stats, you know, possession was 63-37 in favor of Orlando. Mm -hmm. They had 12 shots. Only one of them was actually on target, however. Mm -hmm. Like you said, very low XG, a point six eight on on the XG meter, which was better than the point two four that they had against Atlanta last week. Mm-hmm. But I mean it's the same the same pattern that we've seen the last several games now. You know, we saw the exact same thing in Colorado. They look decent, but they just weren't very entertaining. They they didn't have a lot of creativity out there on the field, you know, and Orlando had a lot of opportunities. You know, they were very, very controlling of the possession, especially in that first half, especially around that uh first Philly goal and leading right up to it. And I mean, you know, and it's just it's the same problems I think ultimately that we're seeing again and again. And like I've, you know, like I mentioned, Orlando just doesn't know what they're doing with the ball. Mm. If you look at the passing charts, you look at everything that they're doing. It's all playing through one side, just like we've seen every week. They're all playing the ball from the back to the middle through Juan, going down that right side, trying to look for opportunities, trying to look for crosses. You see Fagundo Torres cutting in, and he's immediately being swamped. You know, Philadelphia is that very good, very high-pressing team, and they execute that so well. And so when you're trying to to be, you know, you're giving it to these players that are good on the ball, your Torres's, your your Mauricio Pereira's, and they're finding it very difficult to move, and suddenly all of your options are being shut out. And then when you do find these balls on the wing and you're you're throwing it out to the weak side and, and, and whatnot, and you're giving the ball to Huan, and like you said, you know, he's doing Huan things, and those Huan things are not good. And it's, you know... Orlando just doesn't have answers right now, and I think that's the main thing. They don't. There's more questions you know, than answers at this, team, at this point. Yeah, you're if you're looking at what they're doing, the thing is, you have to ask yourself, what are they doing? You know, and I, I keep harking back to what Orlando City looked like in 2020 and into 2021, and that's because that team had an identity. That team, you can see what the plan was, exactly what they were doing, who was where, who was looking for where. That team gelled. That team had a game plan. Oscar Pereja had those guys playing really good soccer. Mm -hmm. But you don't see that now. Like, you just, you know, it, it feels almost like it did before then when you had 11 guys on the field. They were moving the ball they were trying to score a goal but it also just kind of felt like all 11 players aren't really connected to each other in the same way that you see from your seattles and your la's and your your new york cities like the teams that play really good soccer your philadelphia's like we saw on saturday i just don't see that which is very surprising at this point from an oscar pareja team because it's not like I was kind of having this this conversation online with someone today, and there, you know, people floating around, Oscar Pereja hot seat. Someone was asking if you would rather see if Pereja's fired. Someone said, assuming Pereja's fired this offseason, which I disagree with. And like, you know, like I said last week, would you want to see Tata Martino? And I was like, well, hmm. one, I don't think that this team, I don't think Oscar Pereja's close to being fired. I don't even think his seat is hotter than room temperature at the moment, and. Mostly because I believe that Muzi and Ricardo Moreira, I mean, these three guys are are all working in tandem to what they want to build together. But I don't, you know, I don't see Perea on the hot seat because one, like we've talked about, this team is sort of in transition right now in terms of what they want to build. We know Luis Muzi has already said this offseason is going to be where Orlando City is going to try to make a lot of moves. Mm-hmm. Or at least make more bigger moves. Well, they, they're they're kind of they're kind of in a in a state of flux right now because of they're they're right. wanting to do they're wanting to do different things. They're wanting to kind of be more aggressive in the transfer market, bring new players in, and be more competitive. But right now, a Gaston Gonzalez, one of their newest wingers, is hurt, so they're they're kind of bringing in mm-hmm. stop gaps. 
Two, a lot of contract options up next year. So they have to figure out who they want to let go, who they want to bring in, etc. And so r- this mm-hmm. year is just one of those times where it's like we have to we have to just play it out. Um, there, you know, so much stuff opens up for next year, and if you wait for that, it's great. But you know, it's, it's one of those things where is the team willing to wait? Like, is the is the front office willing to mm-hmm. wait for that to happen? Right. And I mean, and you think back like to preseason and, and they made these moves and we all thought that they made some good moves. We all thought that Fagundo Torres and Orkin Cara and these guys were going to link up with Mauricio Pereira and, they, and this was going to work. And it, it's not that it hasn't. It's not We've to the level. It's that not to kind the... of expected. You've seen, right. you, you know, you're seeing Pereira is being a key player, but he's also older. You can see the age setting in. You can see that Fagundo Torres is very talented. It's not like he's struggling. I don't think he's been underwhelming by any stretch of the imagination, but he's also a very young player. He's left his country for the first time to go play somewhere else. That's to be expected. I mean, four goals, six assists is, I don't know. I mean, probably on par, kind of like if you think at this pace and he continues and maybe he hits eight and ten, that wouldn't be a bad year. No? No. I think that would be a, a, a decent year. For, Maybe for seven million dollars, people expected. Yeah, more, but, but he's he's young. Like he's he's yeah. Give him time to adapt to, to a, a different league that is more physical, and and there's so much more that he has to change. Like anybody who comes over here, sometimes just they just have a, a struggle of a time adapting. You know, if, especially like you said, kids never left home before. He has to adjust to a new country, a new language, like a new weather like there's there's just a lot you know sometimes it takes yeah, different totally. players di- like different times and people just they they put this athletes in a box and say well you're supposed to be this and they're humans first and foremost whether they're athletes it doesn't make a difference into how they adapt to different situations people d- adapt differently to different situations it's it's part of being a a person a human being mm-hmm. that's that's just right. how things are like I'm sorry that he's not performing to your expectations, but the you know that he's still performing well, and maybe give him another year and and see how he does, and maybe you know, mm-hmm. like look at Josue Coleman, for example, right? <laughs> he was not great with Orlando City, um, and everybody was saying he's a flop, right? So he goes back to Panama where he's from, and. You know, first first kind of timeout in in Cerro Porteño where he was from uh, wasn't great. He goes to a new club. You know, he doesn't score, but he, he he sets up a lot of players, and he gets called up to the Paraguayan national team. Right, and and now he's just signed uh, in Mexico, in Liga MX. So, you know, sometimes it's just it's the wrong situation sometimes it, it it's just you know the the pressure gets to somebody that's young and heck just give it time that's that's kind of what yeah. i'm getting at no for sure and so the other part of the kind of conversation that i was having online so i don't think this team like i don't think the ceiling for this team is very high i mean i think we can all agree we probably saw orlando being fourth best team in the east this year preseason at best Mm. and that entails probably a first round maybe a second round playoff exit so I said to someone that I don't think the ceiling is very high I don't think that I think and I think because of that or Oscar's not on pressure under pressure to perform it's not like Orlando City came in with MLS Cup expectations this year so to not win that also knowing like you've mentioned all of the roster flux that we might be seeing this winter is a shock. Mm-hmm. And I got pushback on that because in the, you know, because of like, Oh, why, why do you think that? So, well, I don't think the ceiling's bad because look at the performances and tell me, yes, Orlando's as a team is probably underperforming, but how many players are like really struggling right now to the point where you can say, yeah, this team is far from where they should be. Because like I said, you know, Torres is is not far off. Pereira is good, not great. You've got Cesar Araujo, Araujo. you know, Junior Urso. 
Arujo, the Orlando <laughs> City has one of the best defenses in the league. You have Erkin Carr. He's got seven goals. Maybe he's not lighting the world on fire, but he's not having a bad season. So when you look at that, that's a team that's of players that are playing decent. They just don't play good soccer, it, and that's a completely it's, different problem. It's not just that. It's also the depth. The, the depth has been the big yeah. problem with this team where the Oscar hasn't gone to the bench as much as people would prefer, mainly because those players mm-hmm. are out of form. And mm-hmm. we talked about this like last week or two weeks ago when Mendez was traded. It's like out of all of the players that were on the bench for the Atlanta game, who do you say this guy can come in and change the game for you in whatever position he plays? Right. And that's the thing too, is we, you know, when we sit here and we talk about who on, yeah, Mike, you know, Mikey holiday is probably a good person that people want to see put in there. But at the same time, he's not proven. Yeah. I'd like to see him play, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to say Mikey holiday is going to turn this whole thing around. Not even close. I don't know that. No one knows that. Or you know, Orlando has. But that's the a, argument for that's the argument for talent. playing time is is give the kid playing time. Yeah, and no, see by, what he can by do. all means, yeah. Because at this point, Juan hasn't proved anything. Like I remember a couple, like a month or two ago now, when he went zero for nine on crosses at one game, and I asked him, "What have you been working on this week?" And he's like, "I've been working on my crosses. I think I'm doing really better now." And then he came out and, well, it hasn't improved. So, <laughs> at, at what point do you say, right, give the kid a chance, see what he can do, and you know, and that's the one kind of knock I'll, I'll say on Oscar's behalf is that he's, he, I think this is something that somebody else told me in, in terms of his past history is that he plays not necessarily favorites, but he he doesn't ride the hot hand as much as you would like to as a coach. Like if a player is playing well, give that player more playing time. Don't necessarily go with who you're supposed to play or who is expected to play. And it's interesting too. Because it's almost flipping the narrative. Like, remember when Oscar got here, him and Muzi was like, oh, these guys built FC Dallas. They built that FC Dallas pipeline. Mm. We we haven't seen any of that in Orlando. Like, yeah, Orlando signed a lot of homegrown players over the last few years. How many of them have done anything here? Yeah, I think that, that also, <laughs> it, it plays into the fact that the, the youth academy, like, it took years for FC Dallas's youth academy to, to get to where it is today, where they're producing like world-class talent. Mm-hmm. Like Muzi and, and, and Oscar, they, they took time to cultivate that. And with last year, not having a B team, not giving players time to grow or, or a chance to grow, it, it hampered that production and that process. The, these guys, remember these guys have been here two years and two of those years, a year and a half of those years, have been during a pandemic. So the the grand scheme of things, the what everybody is comparing him to is 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 not comparable because of the circumstances surrounding it. And and just keep that in mind when you're when you're kinda talking about those kind of things, because it, it definitely does play a factor in terms of the growth of players. Like everybody was talking about how like high school athletes due to the pandemic, like they're they're you know, they're their growth has been stunted or whatever because of their you know inability to play in certain ways or whatever and and yeah i i understand that you know it's 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 no different than every other sport there's kind of a a a kind of lull going around they're still producing you know world-class talent but for orlando's sake it'll take some time before they get to that level one of the big things is having a consistency within the culture of the club. And that's that's something that, again, you have to take time in building. So Oscar and Luis and, and Ricardo, they've, they've spent time cultivating this culture of the club. The OC, you know, OCB is, is also another one of those examples where they're basically an extension of Orlando City. Martin Perlman he told me the first day I interviewed him, he said, we are an, we are an extension. We are the belt that holds up the pants that are, is the first team. I I love that quote. It's just so unique. Um, (laughs) But they are hand in hand within that process. And that extends down into the Academy where Javier Carrillo and all of the Academy coaches, they're on the same, they're in the same step as the first team and the B team. And if it all works together in one big cog, 
you can develop talent by not having them go from one coach saying, this is how you play. And then another coach saying, well, no, this is how you play. I don't agree with this coach. You know, if everybody's on the same page, you, you learn. I think the big question for fans is, is that the right page you want to be learning from? Because right now, results haven't been coming for Orlando City. And so the question is, what happens next? No, and I, I, I want to add one more thing. Um, I completely agree with you. And, you know, when you go back to when Oscar was hired before 2020 and, mm. you know, Muzi had obviously only just been there at a year. This was it. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about they're going to build something and it's going to take a couple years because they were basically starting from scratch. You know, Orlando had never had a successful season. They had never been to the playoffs. They barely had, you know, they had an OCB, a second team that was on off, on off here, there, every, like they never had any consistency for their pipeline. They had an Academy that had some good players, but they weren't bringing any of them along. There was no pathway for any of these guys to come along. And then they outsource them as right. well. That's what I'm saying. Remember like they you, outsource them you have to, OCB and to, then it's to going Montverde. to Montverde and like then it's back in the hands of you know in in the club. So it's there was no consistency, there was no direct pipeline that was actually there and constantly there. And then Orlando comes out and they have a really good year in 2020 above all expectations. And when you look at that team to where they are now, I mean a lot of that team is still this team you know, like the core of that group is still this group. And that was a group that we really didn't expect anything of. So that kind of lofted expectations a little bit higher, I think, earlier than expected. Mm. Because, you know, like I said, we didn't expect Orlando City to be good that year. We probably thought that last year was going to be the was going to be the year that Orlando City finally made the playoffs. And then they obviously, you know, did for the second year in a row and then had an earlier exit as they struggled down the stretch but and then that's mostly carried over into this year and so Mm -hmm. between last year and then a a lot still some things have changed but not a lot has changed for a big step to be taken you know um like you said i i I mean i agree like it's this i thought this the past off season was going to be a big off season for orlando city you know it just kind of felt that way when you kind of had nani going they sold chris mueller daryl dk coming back from a big fee and it kind of felt like oh this is this is where they're going to hit that off season reset they're going to add a bunch of big pieces they're going to change the roster and they're going to hit 2022 running and it kind of happened and now this off season it's it's been split into a couple parts you know there was last off season complimentary pieces this summer winter 2022 into 2023 where now it looks like this long-term plan is starting to show itself a little bit more yep and uh in conclusion i think most people can summarize their thoughts about orlando city with with this famous meme wait a minute who are you that's fair. We we would like to see who this Orlando City team is because they they win some. They're not. I mean, they're not. That's the thing is like outside of that DC game, and I don't. I mean, I don't even want to get into the whole they're bad at home thing because we didn't even mention that they nobody in MLS has lost more home games than Orlando City, and all of their worst losses yeah. this year have been all except for at home. Yep. Everyone except for the Montreal loss. All of their worst losses have been at home. 4-2 LA, mm-hmm. 5-3 DC, 3-0 Red Bulls, 3-1 DC, FC Dallas. Like, it's not like they're losing home games. They're getting smashed at home, and that's concerning. Not always. Yeah, that one when the, they do lose at home. Well, I mean the Union <laughs> game is one nothing. But yes, uh when they that's when they I'm lose is most of their games. Right. Yeah. And here's a fun not so fun stat uh heading into that game against philly orlando city had scored in 12 of the 14 matchups that they had had against the union dating back to uh well the beginning uh the beginning the well the beginning of their mls tenure it was the longest run of games with a goal against a team that orlando city has had in club history because they didn't score in their first two meetings, then scored in their last 12, and that was broken this past weekend. 
Another interesting statistic here for you, uh, Orlando City has now failed to win in their last three games. It's their longest winless streak since May 23rd to June 16th. If they lose again, that'll be their longest losing streak of the uh, season, or the longest winless streak of the season. So, thanks. There, that's uh, concerning. Put it that way. Yeah. Now it is. Let's uh, let's look ahead to this game on Wednesday with the U.S. Yeah, Open biggest Cup. game of the year. This is it. Yes. <laughs> I they think, have a chance to rewrite the narrative on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. I mean, you win and you're hosting a final. You're, you're hosting an yeah. opportunity for a trophy. And it's it could be the second trophy they contend for in two years because of the MLS's back tournament trophy, which is a trophy. Uh, you know. It, it is a trophy. Writing, if the Orlando City. When I was writing this week's <laughs> thing, this week's just kind of like weekly preview for the website. Uh-huh. I, I completely forgot that that honestly that that final run has happened. Every time I talk about 2020, I completely forget that they went to that MLS Cup back final. <laughs> um, I always consider it the first final that they would be in since 2013, which also does not count in terms of Orlando City's MLS history. But that's what I immediately go to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're not wrong. It's the you know. It's definitely a uh, an interesting subject to talk about because it's like, what what kind of final? Do you count the Orlando City Invitational win as a oh, final? Oh, no, that's for trolls. That's trolls. <laughs> Did you see what uh, Orlando City put out during the Arsenal game by any chance? Um, I want to say I did see it, but refresh my memory. Okay, so at halftime of the, uh, of the game, uh, Orlando oh, City okay, yeah, put out a, a statistic basically saying, uh, well, you know, here here are some fun stats for you at halftime, right? And they, they went and posted, <laughs> um, well, they posted the score, which was, you know, 1-1. And then they posted U.S. Open Cup wins, which, of course, Arsenal didn't have any. So it was 15 to nothing. They also posted uh, a stat of players with animal nicknames, which Orlando has four and Arsenal has none. And then the creme de la creme, the Orlando City Invitationals with Orlando having one and Arsenal having none. It's cheeky. A rare, a rare bit of, a bit of uh, fun from the Orlando City social media lately. Yes. A uh, shout out to Mickey Kennedy for uh, coming up with that creativity. Right, so Wednesday. Let's talk about that. Wednesday. Yeah, it's against Red the Bulls. Red Bulls and the Red Bulls. Well, they have Orlando's I don't know how number. To feel about that. They have Orlando's number. Always. They do. Seemingly. They do. Uh their last game they played, they played a kind of backup lineup against Austin FC. That game did not go as most people expected it to because Red Bulls were up three nothing. Just past the half in time. Austin. This game was in Austin too. Yeah, it was three one actually, three one in Austin, and then, well, they scored a fourth in the fifty sixty fifth minute, so it was four one at one point. Then, Austin FC starts making a comeback. It ends up being four three in the eighty first, and well, Red Bulls just defended for for a lot of the game at that point, so. You know, a lot of their uh, reserves got a bit tired. They didn't make all that many subs in terms of defensive. They did take out Aaron Long. They um, they brought in Christian Caceres, Tom Barlow, and Lukinas towards the uh, later parts of the game. But they didn't play Frankie Amaya. They didn't play Lewis Morgan. Those guys are going to be fresh for the game yeah, on they, they, Wednesday. They're coming. They came ready to play against Orlando. They had their sights set. Mm-hmm. And yet they still got a result at Austin. Yeah, that's the thing. Is like I'm looking at I'm looking at their their form guide here, this their schedule this year, and like I'm they're the third best team in in the East, so we can't knock them. They are clearly good. However, when you look at some of their recent losses, some of their games, Mm -hmm. 
Um, they drew Cincinnati. I mean, Cincinnati is a playoff team at the moment. They they lost at LAFC. Mm-hmm. They they lost at Charlotte. They've lost at Miami. They are a weird I mean, team in terms of their results, yeah. but they they do have very talented players, and they're third in the East. They are I mean, six and points they've already ahead. beaten Orlando City three nothing in Orlando this year. So right, clearly that's not going to be an issue playing playing that explorer. Yes, and again, Orlando City's home record during the regular season has been not great, but <laughs> somehow in the say. U.S. Open <laughs> Cup, they've they've well, uh, actually, you want to know something funny about the U.S. Open Cup? In their last couple games. At home, do you know how those games were uh, were found? To the the results were were found. They were all penalty shootouts. Draws? Yeah, yeah. Has Orlando lost at home in the Open Cup since twenty nineteen? Oh, no, no. that yeah, was that was the Atlanta. last time they lost at home in an Open Cup. I was match. thinking of the uh, FC Miami game or the Miami FC game. That was twenty eighteen. Something like that. Yeah, I forgot about that Atlanta game. Yeah. So the last time Orlando City was in the semifinal, obviously they lost to Atlanta United. Ugh. Well, here's listen. I'm every year we have this conversation when Orlando City gets to the you know gets to a certain point. It's like, is this this is the biggest game in club history? I mean, it's it's the biggest game of the year, that's for sure. And I have to think that it's if not you... the biggest game of club history. If they make it to the final, no, that's no, no, the no. biggest game of club history. Oh, for sure. Well, the, like the, 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 the biggest, biggest game in club history was the NYCFC playoff game so far. Yes. Well, I would say. Yeah. I mean, in that was the first the, playoff the game biggest, in the way it happened. Right. Yeah. Result-wise, I think if they had, you know, the biggest game in club history was the semifinal game after beating NYCFC, which then they lost. That was the biggest because yeah. that was their next step to getting into the playoffs further. But they lost that. So the biggest result in club history yeah. is the NYCFC playoff game based on everything that happened in it. So that's but this one. That that yeah, this, this is it. This is and it. This is it for now. They until like until said, they the have a, until the final, if they make it to the final. A good chance to rewrite the narrative this summer. And it, you know, if they come out and they win this game one nothing or go scoreless into penalties, it doesn't matter. You know, the, the, what, what matters is that they want it and that they're going to a final. And for the next five weeks, we get to be more excited than we've ever been for an Orlando City game. You know, we this is this is what we're going to be talking about for, you know, up until September 7th, if they if they get through. Um, because like we said, you know, anything can happen when you get in the playoffs. But I mean, realistically, if you're looking for silverware this year, this is it. And if you can get it, no matter what happens, this season has been a success. If they mm. don't win on Wednesday or they don't win in the final, then, I mean, I think getting to the final is going to be... Well, put it to you this way, Gavin. Would um, make the season... I mean, not only that, but also the, un, the thing we haven't even mentioned. I mean, obviously, an Open Cup victory means Champions League, right? This is correct, they still yes. do that? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, so the, 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 this that. is one thing <laughs> that I want to mention, Gavin. If they don't win on Wednesday, but they make the playoffs, that's just a repeat of the last two years. Yeah. Um, unless they make a run in the playoffs, you're stagnating. Mm-hmm. So at that point, do you say something needs to change? From the head coaching spot? or From anywhere. I think- from anywhere. I th- I still think that regardless of what happens, win or lose, playoffs or not, now, if they don't make the playoffs, we're going to have a much different conversation. But where we think stand, I think regardless, Orlando's looking to get, they're, you know, they're going to make some changes this offseason. They're mm-hmm. going to make some signings. And, you know, their eyes are on 2023 to be a more consistent, well-balanced team. Because like you said, it's not just that they're struggling tactically. It's they don't have a complete roster to compete with the team's like the Seattles and the the LAs that have stacked rosters. Mm-hmm. You know, if you put this team up against LAFC in an MLS Cup playoff match, toe to toe, paper, you know, on paper, LAFC is head and shoulders above this team. 
Yeah. NYCFC, you could probably say the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but, uh, no, I don't, I don't, like I said, I don't, I don't have any doubt that Oscar Pereja is not in trouble right yeah. now. You know, like I don't, uh, okay. I don't see that. Right. Last thing I wanted to talk about before we moved on. Hey, remember that call at the end of the Philly game? Yeah. I was gonna, you know, I had a rant bubbling up the other day, and I, we almost went through this whole thing without me having to get mad about it. Yeah, I'm gonna read uh, the response from uh, head referee Alex Chilowitz in regards to the uh, pool reporter question submitted by the mainland, and in, in regards to that play in stoppage time where Antonio Carlos was yanked down by Daniel Gadsack. Um, he said, and I quote: "Upon." Reviewing the attacking phase of play, the referee determined that Antonio Carlos pulled the shirt of Daniel Gadzag first and committing a holding foul. Therefore, the foul in the attacking play uh, phase of play by Antonio Carlos preceded the pull by Gadzag and negated the penalty claim. And I watched it back, and I can see where he saw it. And there was a pull, but nothing... It's, it's, it's normal to have tussles in the box like that. Mm-hmm. But I can see where, for Chilowitz's sake, he doesn't want to make that call. If it wasn't made on the field, he's not going to overturn it because of the way it went down. Because technically speaking, those jostles in the box—if you're grabbing somebody's jersey—that's a foul. And if you're both—if you're instigating the contact, you're the one committing the foul. They don't call it all the time because then you'd be calling it every time in the box. And sometimes it's it's so non it's such a non factor that it's not worth calling. But when it comes down to a VAR review, then it becomes the letter of the law. And so I can see why that happened. I don't agree with it, but I can see why it happened. Yeah, I mean to me it's a cop out. <laughs> to me it says, you know, I didn't want to make the call that that uh, you know that I should have made. You know, I'm just going to point to the fact that oh, I actually made the right call because look at this. That guy, he's got his hand on him. Yeah, look at his hand right there. It's it's on his body. Doesn't matter if it's a foul or not, but his hand's there so I can justify it. Yep. I'm tired. I'm tired of it. You know, I I know we say this every week. You know, I'm Gavin. I'm not a conspiracy Gavin. theorist, but it's hard to just believe that that this is the way that things go against Orlando City every week, every single time. When in doubt, assume the call's going against Orlando. You know, that's that's the motto now. Will I get over it? Mm. No. But life goes on. Will I? Never. There you go. Life goes on, Gavin. Life goes on. And speaking of going on, we're going to move on from Orlando City and and uh, wrap up with some stuff from uh, Pride and OCB. First off, the Orlando Pride. Actually, has... what we forgot to mention that Orlando City signed a brand new player. Today. Oh my How god, did they did. <laughs> you know, it happened the day of recording, and we we talked about it, and we said, "Hey, we 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 can actually talk about this on the show this week." It happened a couple hours before we recorded. Perfect. And we forgot. But thank you, Gavin, for keeping uh, keeping us honest and, and uh, ready to I talk about I only just remembered because it's on like the homepage of the MLS website, and I just happened to click on it like a minute ago. So uh, Ivan, story is Ivan Angulo is a 23-year-old winger who joins the Lions on loan from Palmeiras in Brazil. One-year loan with an option to extend an additional six months, pending the receipt of his visa and international transfer certificate uh he's played u20 for columbia he has not great stats if i'm being completely honest but he is a a quick winger left-footed can put the ball into the box and he's somewhat tall and versatile he can play both sides and even up top if you need him to it's interesting why not yeah i mean it's an interesting i'm sure there's more there's more players that you could yeah there's more players you can go after, I'm sure, but putting it to you this way, uh, over the course of his professional career, which has lasted since 2017, he only has two seasons where he's played normally. 
like since joining Palmaris in 2019, he's been sent on loan every single year. Sometimes twice in a year. And only last year when he was playing in Portugal, did he actually play more than one game or three games a season. So while, yes, this is a signing that is a, a potential you know, attacking player on the wing, um, it's not necessarily a promising one. I don't know what Orlando sees in him. I haven't seen enough film on the kid um, to kind of warrant a, a, a flyer like this. But at this point, he was probably made available to them, and they said, well, we need something interimly, so let's just try it, see what happens. Because right now... Uh, there's no depth on the wings. You have Tesho Akindele playing as a right winger sometimes alongside Benji Michel, who's been out of form. And sometimes Junior Urso's had to go out there on the right wing. All in all, this is a depth yeah. move, and that is really all you need to know about it. You know, Ricardo Moreira has certainly shown that he's got an eye for some talent. And clearly they see something in this kid that they think Oscar Pereja could use on his roster and... Well, he's Colombian as well. He's Colombian, so he yeah. fits in well with the, you know, Andres Perea and Oscar, who are both Colombian. So, uh, you know, we'll see. We will see. I don't know when he's going to be made available, but he uh, should be joining Orlando once they actually get his certificate of transfer and such. So, we'll see. Now we'll move on to the uh, Pride and OCB. We'll do OCB first, then Pride. Uh, well... Orlando City B played the Philadelphia Union 2 on Sunday. It finished 3-1 in favor of the Union, but the way things happened was a bit mad. Um, the second half is where all the goals were scored, so it was 0-0 at half. Two red cards for Orlando, one red card for Philly. It got wild. So the first goal was scored kind of later on, 52nd minute was uh, Matt Real, who ended up playing against Orlando City, funny enough, in the Open Cup. And then it was uh, Ethan Subachan who equalized in the 85th. So it was 1-1 with about five minutes left. Then Philly uh, scores, thanks to Jesus Bueno, 86th minute. And then in stoppage time, Nelson Pierre makes it three. There was a... um, a bit of uh, tensions flaring uh, right after that goal was scored. Pierre had been booked for his excessive celebration after the goal. And then there was a, a bit of a, a dust-up in midfield that resulted in uh, Oscar Pereja's son, Diego, getting booked. And that was his second booking of the game. So he received a second yellow. And he was off. Uh, Mikey Vieiro uh, also sent off. Or he was booked. Sorry. Um the referee didn't realize that was Pereja's second yellow, and they went back and, and almost continued to play until somebody told the ref, no, that's his second yellow. He's been sent off. So Pereja was, like, running back and just kind of, like, brushing it off, and then eventually they realized and sent him off. So that was something. <laughs> they also had, uh, earlier in the game, about 75th minute when they had a hydration break, Javier Otero, the goalkeeper for OCB, was shown a red card. I don't know exactly what happened. Nobody really does, but they sent off Otero. So they had to bring in Dominic Pereira, the backup goalkeeper, and that was 17-year-old Academy Products first appearance as a pro. So that was uh, <laughs> something. And then earlier in that point of the game, they also had a, a red card to, to Hugh Freeze for Philly. So crazy game crazy 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 game and that's what's going on with orlando city b they um they have another game coming up and uh, i believe they play toronto fc2 and they'll yeah, be they heading for another few weeks yeah, yeah, yeah that's not until august 7th where they go up to toronto to play so a lot of time in between games for that now, on to the Pride, who haven't trained this past week, but there has been some news when it comes to the Pride. Haley Bujea, the new 18-year-old forward, has joined the team. Her first training is Tuesday, which is by the time this show comes out today. So I'll be out of training to, to get 
thoughts from from Seb. See what he thinks of uh, Haley in, in terms of his just meeting her and kind of his plan on getting her acclimated to the team. If he's going to play her on uh, the weekend match at Kansas City, well, we'll find out. Uh, but right now I'm going to go ahead and play uh, Bujaya's thoughts on uh, her signing for the team. And uh, yeah, we'll see you on the other side in uh, about two minutes, I would say. Right now I'm pretty overwhelmed. Um, I'm not used to the, these sort of facilities and these sort of stadiums. Uh, even just the photo shoot itself, it's, it's quite overwhelming. But I'm very, very looking forward to getting started, to meeting my new teammates, to meeting all the staff and all the people that work here. Uh, it feels like a very family-oriented club, um, which I'm very glad to be in. And yeah, I just, I'm just looking forward now. Obviously, at the start, when uh, I was first contacted, the the amount of interest that they showed in me, uh, specifically Ian, of course, and uh, the coach. Um, I was very interested in getting here, practically. Obviously, I was still during a season, so I decided to finish that one and then head straight over here. Um, I've seen I've seen clips, I've seen photos, um, and yeah, it just made me feel very excited to be part of it, and I'm just glad to finally be here. So I think I bring a bit of excitement with me. Um, I like the odd sprint here and there. Um, I'm, I'm forward, obviously, so I like to score goals as well. Um, yeah, I've spent all my all my life since the, the age of five uh, scoring goals, and hopefully I'll keep doing that uh, throughout my career. Um, so yeah, that speed, strength, and a bit of finishing on the side. Yeah, so obviously I'm joining in during the season. So first objective is to get to know everyone pretty quickly. Uh, hopefully settle in as fast as I can, uh, get to know the team self playing tactics a bit. And then as soon as I get those things off the list, I'll just strike on from there and hopefully I'll be able to help the team in getting good results. And yeah, I'm just very excited to see what this season in particular and the next one obviously and hopefully the, the ones after those. Um, yeah, I'm just very excited. No, I'm expecting it to be more physical. Um, as I said, I've seen videos and I've seen full matches and yeah, it seems like a very intense league. Uh, you don't get an easy game, you just don't. Uh, you have to be at your 110% each and every week. Um, so yeah, I'm expecting it to be more physical. I'm expecting to find very, very fit athletes. Um, but yeah, I'll just, I'm just ready to, to work as hard as I can to hopefully match and surpass those, uh, those expectations. And that is it. Haley Bujaya's first thoughts on joining the Pride, what she can bring to the Pride, and kind of just her pathway in getting to Orlando. So pretty cool. Looking forward to seeing her in action tomorrow. Now, Gavin, are you ready to wrap up the show? I love wrapping up the show. I've uh, I've got a nice chocolate pie that I made yesterday. Ooh, um, delicious. Go enjoy some of that. All right. Well, that we're going to go into our Where Are They Now? And then we'll do our Weird okay. News and Red Cards. So first off, where are they now for former Orlando City midfielder Luis Gill? Remember that guy? He played for Orlando City in 2017 on loan from Querétaro. Uh, he was a former player of Jason Christ, so Christ brought him in because that's what he did in Orlando City. Played in... Real Salt Lake from 2010 to 2015, made over 100 appearances. And then since leaving Orlando City, he was sent on loan to Colorado from Orlando. In fact, they, they kind of transferred his loan elsewhere. Then sent on loan to Houston Dynamo in 2018. He was then sent on loan from Houston down to their USL affiliate in Rio Grande Valley. Then finally... Geratado said, we've had enough of this kid. We're going to send him all the way to the Czech Republic, where he has uh, signed on a free agency because they, they basically let his contract go. And then uh, he was there from 2019 to 2020. He then, in 2021, signed for a second division Czech Republic team, where he played six games. Then this past season, he was playing in Phoenix, Arizona for Valley United FC. And they are a NISA team, NISA, the National Independent Soccer Association, where he played six games and scored a goal. His uh, his appearances, I guess, sparked something because Union Omaha of USL League One decided to take a flyer on the kid, and he made his first appearance just the other night. 
So that is where where are they now for Luis Gill? Since leaving Orlando City, he has now played for uh, seven clubs since 2017. And I'd like to remind you, this is former U.S. men's national team midfielder Luis Gill. Luis Gill. He was one of those guys, and, like, it's fun to think about, like, those first few years for Orlando City when, like, occasionally they would sign some guy who was, like, on the down, and it was like, oh, he's probably going to be really good here, and then you would, like, do nothing. <laughs> yep. Yep. There's a lot of those Back guys we in, all just... in the history here. Back when the roster was so thin and talentless that, like, anybody with, like, potential was, like, a great signing. Yep. Back when signing Breck Shea meant signing, like, the best player in the world. Remember remember that uh, press conference? Oh, man, do I ever. God. It was at an art exhibition. That was the most Breck Shea place that Breck Shea could have been announced. Pretty cool place. I think that was, like, the first time I've ever been in an art studio. So there's that. Yeah. He's still playing in Miami, you know. He's just been He's injured. Still playing in Miami. Yep. Anyways, uh, are you ready for some weird news, Gavin? Oh, yeah, I've got it. All right. Do you want to go first? Sure, sure. I've got a uh, a woman in Michigan mm-hmm. has sued a man $10,000 for mm. $10,000 okay. because he stood her up on a date. Hmm. Um, The plaintiff filed this lawsuit back in 2020 against a date who didn't show up. Um, According to the claim, her experience caused her emotional distress because the date fell on her late mother's birthday. Mm. Apparently, um, the briefing took place over Zoom and things got a little heated. Um, The judge informed the plaintiff that she had filed things in the wrong court. He um he should have filed it. She should have filed it in a circuit court. After that, the judge asked the defendant if he would be representing himself. To which he replied, "To be honest with you, sir, I thought this was going to be thrown out. We had a date, one date, and nothing else after that. And now I'm being sued for ten thousand dollars. I don't think this is going to go any. I didn't think this is going to go any further. And I think it's a waste of your time." <laughs> in the video, the judge said that if the man thought the case should be tossed, he needed to file a motion to dismiss. If he responds and his response is a lie, then it's perjury, and my documents would prove it's a lie, the, the plaintiff yelled. And then they gets, no, 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 do you understand what perjury is? The judge responds, raising his voice. And then the woman goes, please do not insult my intelligence. Do not do that. As if I don't understand what perjury means. And then this just goes back on and on for nine minutes. <laughs> the judge had to say at least twice, be quiet while I'm talking, as the woman continued to shout. Oh cool. man. This is America. Do you imagine? Oh, $10,000. Right. Hey, um my weird news is actually in the same kind of vein as as money. Um a partially eaten Subway sandwich ended up costing a woman nearly $2,000. <laughs> Here is the story behind that. Um a woman was traveling from the US to uh she was actually traveling from Greece to Australia when she had a layover in Singapore and decided to go to Subway in Singapore to get a foot-long chicken sandwich. Then, when she got uh, on the plane, you know, it was at the airport, so it was whatever, uh, she left the half-eaten sandwich that she did not finish in her purse. She forgot the sandwich uh, when it was in her purse. When she landed in Perth, not her purse, landed in Perth, her purse then had to go through customs, and when they checked it, they saw the sandwich, and it was not marked on her declaration form. So uh, they fined her $1,844 for bringing uh, food into the country that was not declared because of the Biosecurity wow. Act that designed to prevent pests from entering the country, and if you're bringing food into the country, that can bring pests, I guess. So, And here's, here's how the, the story ended. When Subway heard about this um they sent her sandwich vouchers worth $1,844 you couldn't pay me $2,000 to eat a Subway sandwich now I mean it's weird that they're they're going after her because Subway is like not even real food 
I know. Which is why it would... No, that's why it was designed <laughs> to bring pests, you know, prevent pests. And Subway is a pest, I guess. <laughs> well, Go that's fig. actually a good point, yeah. Yep. Uh, not only did Subway uh, send that uh, $1,844 worth of sandwich vouchers, they also sent a package of branded Subway items, which Lee, uh, the woman, uh, unboxed on TikTok, because uh, this is how the story started, where basically Domino's pizza tiktok account then tagged subway in the video and said uh for the company to help her and then subway reached out and said they could not pay the fine but they'd love to help and that's how they helped what is your go-to sandwich place uh jersey mike's oh really Mm. i would have uh, which which here for me at least yeah but which which here doesn't really exist it's only one location in lake mary you remember that one that's, that's really the, the only, only one. location? Yeah. I don't oh, even know wow. if it's still there. <laughs> huh. I do remember that because we went there with with Michael. No, we didn't. You and I went, and it was before media day. Maybe yeah, no, I went there which, with Michael? Yeah, the, the Witch Witch in Lake Mary is now permanently closed. So. Oh. <laughs> that's a shame because yeah. I love Witch Witch. I did too. It was great. It's maybe like 15 minutes from here, so it's not like super convenient, but if we're near that side of town. There is no other Witch Witch unless it's in Lakeland. Mm, Kill me. That's All right. That's, yeah. Oh, there's one in Tampa too. I've never had Jersey Mike's. Solid. It's very good. Oh. Anyways, let's finish or up. Firehouse if I had to choose then. Firehouse is also very good. I would I would say yeah. Firehouse is a close second for me. All right, Gavin, red cards or playing advantage? What do you got? Uh, Red card to Subway, playing advantage to Firehouse. Um, (laughs) No, I'm going to give my, you know, I probably had a a red card, but I'm. I'm, Is it a red card to the ref for Orlando? I'll give a red card to the Arizona Cardinals off the top just Mm. because they gave a $230 million contract to Kyler Murray, as many people have probably seen this week. And one of the clauses that they had in there was that the player is must mandatory four hours of game prep every week. Mm-hmm. Every uh, week. It's not even like every day. Every, every week. Yeah. Four hours a week. He must dedicate to preparing for his games. The guy they gave $230 million to. Yep. You have to force him to prepare for games. That's uh. Not a good one. Yep. Well, at least they're getting a return uh, on their investment. Advantage. Yeah. 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 Well, um, I'll give an advantage, playing advantage to uh, the rehearsal. Nathan Fielder's new show on HBO. I need so to watch good. that. I need to watch So that. good. The, the first episode's funny. The second episode, just some real whack jobs on there. Uh, good stuff. I got Nathan Fielder. I don't. He makes great television. You know, I. His brand just of comedy, like his awkwardness. Yeah, is, that, that's what I was going to say. He has a very unique way of doing things, and I, I appreciate that. I still haven't watched every episode of Nathan for You, but, I mean, it's just, like, one after another. It's the same. It's you you so get the good. idea. You get the idea. Yeah, you get the idea, but you can't also, like, you want to keep watching because it's just, like, the, the, the jokes every week, the people that are on there. And it's the thing is like about these shows, it's like normal people do not go on his show. He does not get normal people. I mean, he's posting everything on like Craigslist. That's how he finds people. So I know. Like, it's that's, that's you're getting wild. Craigslist people. <laughs> you know what you're getting great. into, put it that way. Right. Um right. my my red card this week is to both Chelsea and Arsenal players for Uh-oh. ducking all media for both games. Um they had mix zones for both teams after the games and nobody came to talk to any media and everyone was pissed. So that is my red card to the players for after four, nothing winners. Arsenal didn't want to come talk to media after all that. So, yep. That's, uh, that's the way it works in England. They had to get down to OBT quick. Well, no, they had to get to their flight. They actually flew out the night of Saturday. Mm, that's a shame. Well, Another one in the books. Another winner here. Yep. And uh, yep. just about, just under an hour, actually. Well done. Good job, everyone. What? With that, I think we'll call it a day. Thanks for tuning into another edition of the Orlando Soccer Show. Uh, for Gavin Eubank, I'm Austin David. We'll catch you next week, and hopefully we're talking about some uh, 
some big wins for Orlando City, not only on Wednesday, but also on the weekend against DC United in Wayne Rooney's first game as manager. Give a preemptive red card to any references to Wayne Rooney's goal (laughs) against Orlando City right now. I will explode if I have to hear about that 50 times this week. Thanks for tuning in. On that note, we'll see you. You're dirty brown water trash, and you're always going to be dirty brown water trash.